Hello to the Christian Pedophile Podcast. My name is Trent Matthew. I'm joined here with Michael Greenwood and Pedro. And today we're going to be talking about some of the hardest times in our life, the really, really difficult challenges that we've had to go through um, on this journey. But just before we start, I'd like to make it absolutely clear that we are not pro-sex with children. We are absolutely against that in every way possible. God's design for sex is between one man, one woman in marriage. That is what the Bible says, and we believe that. So, Michael, what was one of the hardest times that you've been through in your life? Yeah, thanks, Trent. Well, I definitely put some thought into this, and I thought it Well, you guys came up with the idea for this podcast, and I think it was so appropriate because in our previous podcast, we always talk about our our strength and our victory in the Lord. And we don't want to give a lopsided impression that it's been just easy. Jesus never promised it would be easy. In fact, he said we'd have troubles in this world, but he's overcome the world. And with him inside of us, we overcome the world as well. So I think it was definitely a good idea to discuss some of our harder moments so that those listening can realize they're not alone in their struggles. Let me first just say what wasn't the hardest moment, because that'll put things in a bit of perspective. When I was, I think I was 17 or 18, when I was first really discovering I I had pedophilia, I had to do some community service for a class like a high school class, something like that. And it just so happened that I was volunteering at the YMCA in an after-school program. And of all things, they asked me to be in charge of the boys' locker room as the boys were changing to go swimming. And they wanted me to do this every week. And you would think, like, oh my goodness, on the one hand, right, a pedophile's dream, right? And it could be the most terrible defining moment in my life, too, if if I were to cross the line, and particularly being so young, 18, and just really not having a grip on things. But amazingly, that was not a dark moment, because when that happened, I was just filled with a clarity of God's righteousness, what was right and wrong, and it just pulled my heart like that's what I wanted. And so I made up excuses and reasons why I couldn't do it. And and it was awkward because they're like, well, what's wrong? Why can't you do it? Now, I just made up a bunch of baloney reasons, and they eventually got the hint that I wasn't wanting to do it, and so somebody else took care of it. That wasn't wow. a dark moment. It wasn't a dark moment like it should have been. But God promises in the Bible, he says, though the righteous man stumble or you won't be cast headlong because the Lord helps hold your hand. And he says, you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. And I've heard that from other people saying something similar, like in the moments where they should have utterly been consumed by temptation. It wasn't, it's like God was inside of them, just lifting them up over it like just deliverance, delivered from the moment. And so I had that experience too, where a moment that should have been the darkest wasn't anything at all. Wow, that's so good that God was able to just surround you and like just preserve you in that moment and not let you stumble. And hats off to you as well for choosing not to put yourself in such a vulnerable place. Well, 
I went back and forth whether I wanted to share this or not, but I thought that I better in case there's somebody else in a similar position. But the hardest thing for me is that I'm also attracted to my own kids. I have two kids and I can find them attractive. Somewhere deep in the limbic part of my brain that is not wired correctly, the deep not thinking part of the brain, it's, there's a sexual attraction to immaturity, to child bodies, and my children have bodies. So it's just like an ever-present thing that I can find my own children attractive. Now, I, let me say at this moment that I have a perfectly clear conscience. I think it was God's timing that I didn't have kids until later in life, till I'd been through a lot. I have never, ever, in the slightest bit, ever been inappropriate towards them. And I'm grateful to be able to say that. And nevertheless, the hardest part, I think, of my journey with pedophilia is the everyday confrontation with this challenge. Like, it's brought some realizations as well. Like, when I look at my kids, I, I don't see them as, ob they're, they're people, past, present, and future. I, it's like I can see their adult selves. I can see them across time. They're beautiful personalities, and I love having them in my life. Like, as people, it, it's different than, well, the natural tendency to objectify an object of attraction. Now, now this is so common in our society, like people watching porn, like adult porn, or whistling at some woman walking down the street, or guys talking about so some hot woman they saw, you know, at work or whatever. Guys do it all the time, this, this behavior of objectifying someone else. And that's different than purely a neurological response. Our limbic system that moderates hunger, body temperature, uh, growth, like your body's growth, like these core factors, well, sexual attraction, the, the part of your brain that identifies sexual relevance is in there. So it's, it's not like something that deals with people per se. It's just, it's just an on and off switch. It says that that person there is sexually relevant. So for example, like, okay, so maybe I would see a child who's attractive. That it's not, I'm not really seeing a person. It's just an object that it's just someone attractive. Now with my own kids, I see them so much differently as people, like people, people. And I recognize that uh, their sexuality is something wonderful and a treasure and it belongs to them. Like it belongs to them and it belongs to God because they belong to God. It's put in me this realization that I, I didn't have before. I didn't have before I had kids. This realization that this other person, their sexuality belongs to them and it belongs to God and I have no place there. I'm like, I'm unwelcome. I'm unwelcome. Of course, that applies for everybody. Everybody's sexuality is special. It's theirs. 
and, and ultimately God's too, because each person belongs to God. And nobody has a right, even in fantasy, to cross that line and say, I'm going to sample this other person's sexuality, even in fantasy. And, and that's why Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman lustfully is committing adultery in their heart. Jesus brought it down to the level of fantasy. And, and so if I fantasize about someone, then I'm like sampling their sexuality, and I'm not welcome. And I hate the fact that there's part of my brain that can find my kids attractive. I hate that. Um, and I don't like that it has to be something that's just always there. I, I look forward to when we're in heaven and God gives us new bodies without these defects. But at the same time, I'm aware that there's grace each morning, each day, that the part of me that connects to people for who they are, that's where I inhabit, and that's who I am. And just because my neurology, this part of my physiology that's kind of broken and selecting for immaturity rather than maturity, it's a handicap in a way, but that doesn't rule me. And, and praise be to God, it doesn't rule any interaction with my own kids. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I'm sober, I'm uh, even uh, aware in a healthy way that I must stand watch at this wall. Like I have a, a wall to defend, like in the book of Nehemiah, that everybody stood in front of the wall, guarding the wall in front of their own house so that where the enemy, when the enemy would attack, the wall is defended. And so it's, it's not the acute battles or the scary moments like that story with the YMCA. That's not been the hardest because God just saved me in all those moments. It's, it's the everyday saying, I, I will be this man of God. And, in all, and because of this awareness, all the more I've taught my kids that sexuality, their sexuality even, is special special and nobody has a right to encroach on that and i've taught them to respect other people's sexuality like just that it's special and they're still kind of small so we can't we don't go into much detail but the the idea that it's special it's special and and we don't treat special things as common or and and i i believe by the grace of god they're going to be stronger and more secure in who they are and value their sexuality for, for what it is because of this, well, cross I've had to bear in my own life. So that has been my biggest battle, the day after day, day after day. Wow. Thanks, thanks for sharing. I mean, that's, first of all, that's a lot um and it's it's quite bold of you to um say this if there's anyone out there who's struggling in a similar way towards their own kids what are like the key big things that you would want to say to them yeah that's why i decided to share this 
was because, like you said, if there's somebody else listening who's also struggling, and I don't know if that's universal because I've heard other pedophiles say that they're not attracted to their own kids, and that's great. Good. Um, but my experience is that some can be. And I would say you cannot lower your guard or think the enemy stupid or weak or you can never be arrogant you always have to be on your knees before the lord trusting in him to be your strength and also it's good to have somebody who's accountable so in my case both my wife and my pastor know of my struggle so it's not as though I'm completely, and of course, you you two, who are good friends. So it's not as though um, I'm utterly alone. So I would recommend that if somebody is in this position of ha being attracted to their own children, that they not be alone, that they do find someone they can trust. And then also some boundaries, like just obvious things, not having physical contact when they're not wearing clothes, things like that, things that basically anybody watching, if there was anybody watching me, they would have no reason to be concerned mm. because there's nothing I'm doing that would be beyond what any par good parent would do. So just being aware, paying attention, and um, just daily having time with the Lord. Hmm. I just wanted to say, um, regarding your story about the whole locker room situation, I was actually in a similar kind of predicament. This is way back in like 2014, when I thought that swimming would help with my chronic back pain. And it turned out that swimming actually didn't do anything. But I remember I went to the pool and I only went once, but I went, like sort of later on about like 5 p.m or something and um i remember after i went swimming i came back to the change room and um there was just this one kid there like this one boy alone with just me it was just me and him in the change room and man like i just felt just so so conflicted inside i just had to get out of that situation so i basically um, yeah, I, I, I found myself a stall. I, I got changed in there. And as soon as I got changed, I just left. But yeah, that was, that was a hard time. But man, I'm just so glad that the Lord preserved me and kept me safe in that situation. Cause I, I don't know what that kid's parents were thinking. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I certainly wouldn't send my kid into a change room alone if I had kids. So, but yeah, man, <sighs> heavy stuff. Yeah, for sure. That that wasn't the hardest time in my life either, though. The hardest time in my life was, and I spoke about this a little bit in my testimony, the years 2012 and 2013, because a whole bunch of stuff happened in those years. Like, uh, my dad was having a secret relationship with a teen boy uh, from church that got uncovered, and that was that that was hard for me because I kind of felt like um i was exposed as well like it was exp 
exposing me to, to, to my own internal sin. And, but that was even before I even came out to myself, like it was there, but I just was just in denial, absolute denial because I couldn't deal with it. Um, and then cause, cause of my dad's secret relationship, my parents divorced. That was a three year divorce. It was messy. It was ugly. It was awful. And I also moved out because I wanted to get away from all of the fighting that was happening at home. Um, I started a career in teaching, but then when, um, I realized that I was really struggling with these internal desires and thoughts, I basically, um, dropped my whole career overnight. Like they phoned me up the next day, asked me if I wanted to come in and teach. And I was, I just said, no, I'm not feeling well. And basically stopped, stopped answering those, those calls. But man, I, um, yeah, it was it was so shocking to myself, just coming out to myself, just realizing I can't hide this. I can't hide these feelings that I have anymore. That this is this this is a part of my life. I don't know how I got this way, but yeah, that that was hard. Wait, so in the space of a year or two, you your family broke up, you became aware of these feelings and you left your career yes. all because of pedophilia yeah well essentially yeah it's it's such a horrible thing like it's just wreaked so much havoc on on my life and my dad's life especially um and so man that was hard but also um because i came forward and um confessed these desires that i was battling with later on i got him i got a letter in the mail a letter from the office of the children's guardian and contained in that letter was the false accusation like that they were saying that i had allegedly told um, my students to do something inappropriate and that was just absolutely not true and i felt so gutted um i remember crying so much and i spoke to my pastor um because i because i told him about my struggles and um, he helped me to draft letters, to send the letters off and to get this um, uh, false allegation removed because it was, I mean, and it was just awful. Like we had to send a couple of letters off and, but, you know, after a period of fighting this for three months, they just dropped it because there was no basis. But man, just, I felt like I was being kicked while I was down. Like all this stuff had just happened. I'd made so many sacrifices. I dropped my career, I came forward, I tried to get help, and then I get hit with a false allegation. Um, that was just so hard. It's like my trust in humanity just went to like negative a million. It was, it was crap. And I was, at the time, at the same time, I was like so depressed. I was anxious. I was, I was suicidal. Um, I was unemployed, struggling financially. And at the same time, Around this time was when I started to realize that my chronic pain was a thing, but I didn't have the medication that I have now to help sort of deal with that. So it was just really hard. I was like, why am I in so much pain? You know, I'm 25 years old and I can't stay sitting down at a desk job without feeling the pain and I can't get a standing job without feeling the pain. And so unemployed and in poverty and it was so awful. 
um, that time. But man, God, God was with me, even though I wasn't like I was. Sometimes it got to the point where I was living hour to hour, not living day to day. It's like, how can I get through、yeah. the next hour? And man, God,、yeah. God was just with me because I was like so close to death. Yeah, God, God was so good to me,、um, and He just, He just kept, He just gave me enough hope and enough trust in Him just to keep on going through the next day and the next day and the next day. And it changed you too. I, I remember you going through that, and you are such a stronger person. Now, like you have a depth now that was, I think, was developed through that time. Wow, cool. Yeah, I think、um, I can't remember when I found out about the website and and the the ministry that you started. I think that would have been twenty fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, but it was still just shortly after that that time.、Um, but yeah, God, God certainly, God certainly uses. Hard times to change people. He's gonna put you through the meat grinder. I mean, it happened to pretty much every important figure in the Bible. God's people certainly don't get a free pass on suffering. That's for sure. How about you, Pedro? Um, actually, I am very touched with the stories that which you shared, and yeah, I think that God's gonna help many people through it. I also want to remember for you that is hearing it now.、Uh, you can contact us in our email support if you are going through any of these bad moments, and we have a team、uh, ready to help you if you need support.、Um, and I want to share the hardest moment of my life as Fahil. So actually, I didn't go through many hard moments yet because I'm still 20 years old. So. I didn't live too much to have too much hardest moments. So,、um, the hardest moment in my life was when、uh, actually, let me introduce. I remember being 14 years old, and I remember that at that time I didn't have any problem with my with my feeling. I was a normal boy, and I liked a girl of my、uh, of my classroom. Was the same age that、uh, of me, and she had a little brother, and he caused me nothing at that time. So I couldn't even imagine it that one day I would be here. So I still remember the sensation of liking somebody、um, that, and not there is nothing wrong.、Uh, I still remember of of this sensation, liking somebody, and、uh, there is nothing wrong on it, but. Uh, when I became 15, I started to realize that there was something wrong with me, and that I felt something that wasn't normal. I mean,、uh, we can realize it in point of our lives that it is not normal. So I started to realize that I could look to children differently. So I started to become sad about that, and I started to. And this feeling started to grow up and grow up and grow up, and I became very sad about that. And I, when I was sixteen, one year after I realized these feelings,、um, I was at the street, 
playing with my little sister. I actually I don't have any feelings for the children of my family, so that's not a problem for me. So I was there playing uh, playing some games with her in the street uh, because she was bored of staying at home. So I was there playing with her, and then a little boy that so that we which you were playing, he came to us and he asked me if I could play with him soccer what's very common here in Brazil. So um, I accepted that. Uh, I was sad because I had these feelings, but I, I don't know what happened. I accept that I started to play with him. Somehow, those bad feelings I was feeling, uh, they were changed for happening. Um, the little boy, though he was actually somebody that could attract me, he could also at the same time cause me cause me happiness. So it was uh, it was weird. I I couldn't understand that well. So at the same time that he could cause me um, uh, attraction, he could also cause me happiness. So I was so sad that I decided to keep that relationship of playing at the street with him and. Daily, he would come to my home and would ask me if I could play with him because he didn't like to stay at his home. Actually, his parents um, would fight the whole day with uh, him and also between themselves. So he didn't like his home. So uh, whenever he could, he would always get out of his home, call me and my, and then with you would play soccer and stay seated talking about life. Uh, it's very weird, but uh, that was what we did. And I started to evangelize that boy. I started to teach him to pray, to teach him uh, some praise in the guitar. And I didn't feel for him, actually, nothing so bad. I was happy for being at his side. And this happiness caused me to start to, I don't know, being his friend, and then I started to evangelize him. I started to teach him some praise on the guitar. I started to teach him how to pray. And this continued uh, for two years. When he became 10 and I became 18, his father, his parents led clear to me that I shouldn't stay with him anymore because um, here in Brazil, we get the the age in which you are considered an aided. Here in Brazil, is 18. So. It's not normal for a native to be playing with a child at the street. So um, they let clear to me that I shouldn't play with his son anymore because now I was a native. And that was very sad to me because I never did anything bad to this boy. Uh, I know that I loved him and I know that he didn't feel for me what I felt for him. But somehow that relationship, a friendship, not nothing bad, a friendship, could cause me happiness. And I wasn't happy because these feelings caused me to be sad. But when I was with him, somehow I would be happy. And then I liked that. And today I know that I was in love for him. I fell in love for him. But when they say to me that you shall not stay with him anymore, you shall not accept when he calls you to play with, when he calls you to play with him, don't go, don't accept, just let him. And that was very sad for me. And I became very, very depressed for that. And I started to uh, 
think how could I solve this problem? You know, I was sad because um, I, I was a pedophile, and when I thought that I have found something to heal me, I saw that I couldn't, I couldn't stay with him anymore, and that was so shocking to me. I was so sad for that, and um, I realized that. that in first place, that it wasn't uh, actually a right thing to be in love with a child, and I became very sad for it because to me he would cause me happiness, but it wasn't right. And also, their, his parents didn't let me stay with him anymore. So I was sad for a lot of things. I was sad for being a pedophile. I was sad for not. I was sad for I couldn't stay with him anymore. I was sad for a lot of things. And in this moment, I started to think about suicide, about um, dying, about doing a bad thing, and that was when I found the website. I, I, I stayed depressed for one year, so the moment that he left me until I was 19, and I found the website, and then I started to speak with Michael, and Michael had a great work with me. <laughs> he remembers that I had too much suicide thoughts, and uh, I was helped, and uh, this is this was the hardest moment to me when I realized that I was in love for a child, and that in the same time that it was a good thing for me in some way because I would feel happy, it wasn't actually a good thing in the social thought, and also I don't know in God's thought. Uh, I think. Yeah, I I hear you. I've talked to quite a few people who said something real similar, and that happened to me some, on a much shorter term basis when I was at a summer camp. I was a counselor, and, and I remember a couple times there was a particular boy who I just had strong feelings for, and, and at the time, kind of like you, I was just kind of understanding the things that I, were, that I was feeling, because there was a nurturing aspect where I truly cared for this child. I wanted them to succeed like, like, a, like a brother, like a friend. Uh, like I said, a nurturing aspect, but at the same time discovering there was also sexual feelings as well. And I had something similar. I, for a period of time when I was 19, I taught piano lessons to kids. And I think... Like what you said, God kind of brings us through those moments. Like, I had a lot of joy in it, and I, I think the kid kids were blessed. Nothing inappropriate, but looking back, just like what you said, now that I know it was, I was actually falling in love with those kids. Now I know it's not something good, not not all the way something right, and and I have not gone back to doing that anymore i've had to keep my distance and and god has made that clear that now i need to keep that distance but i think when we're younger and we're more naive i think there's a mercy i think there's just some grace where the lord carries us through yeah i i've learned some lessons of this moment of my life and I think that the most important of all is if some of you that are hearing are feeling depressed for the same way 
you just need to remember one thing John 14 verse 1 don't let your heart be troubled for anything believe in me um, what it means for us when we have these feelings um, we can tell to our hearts okay you are doing a wrong thing stop it right now our hearts will not obey us and maybe we were still having these feelings when we remember these specific children as I can still feel that happiness when I remember this specific boy and sometimes we want to stop it completely from a day to another we want to say from now on I'm not gonna love any children anymore and it's not like this for us unfortunately we can't tell to our hearts what to do but if you feel like this if you ever fell in love for a child or if you if you're struggling with it right now remember that God is here and he can he can help us to live a life of victory even though we have this feeling so don't let your heart be troubled you will not stop to have these feelings in this earth but even though don't let your heart be troubled stop thinking about suicide stop thinking about hurting yourself this is not gonna solve anything God is the only that can heal you from your sadness from all your troubles I asked God to take these feelings out of me and he did in it and I know that even though I can live a life of victory with him and that's it uh, that's what I've learned of this moment don't let your heart be troubled don't try to kill yourself don't try to hurt yourself wait on God believe in him and he's gonna do the best for you and we almost lost you like there was a couple times where you might have not been around anymore it was that close to suicide but you told me some of the, what happened and you had there was mi straight up miracles that saved your life <laughs> yeah <laughs> that wasn't easy when you were depressed and as I said uh, it's not just one feeling of sadness it's like if it's coming from a lot of different ways first you are sad because you're a pedophile secondly you are sad because it can ruin your life and thirdly you are sad because you miss the child or because I missed him and it was hard to uh, accept that I missed a boy that was 10 years old and I was 20 uh, so that was very hard to me at that time and um, the sadness come from different ways and that's hard because you have to hold on and it's not that easy you know people say hold on don't do anything don't hurt yourself don't commit suicide but it's not that easy when you are going through it and uh, God performed a lot of miracles in my life to show me that I wasn't alone and even more God performed miracles in my life to show me that I didn't have to have a ruined life just because of it God would still use me God would still make me have a life of victory God would still made me God would still make me have a life of happiness even though I had these feelings even though I have these feelings actually he will not stop his work on me 
because of my condition. And that was everything. In the moment that I realized that God was with me and that pedophilia wouldn't ruin my life, I, I, uh, the depression was out, uh, the depression gone away because there wasn't reason for being sad anymore. God is with me. He will not stop his work in my life. I will still be used for him and I will still have happiness in this life. So what is the reason for the depression? That was the moment in which I was healed. Well, I think we should wrap it up there. Um, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Um, at the moment, I think we've got something like 73 subscribers. So that is super encouraging um, to all of us. And we're always praying for all of our listeners, praying that God would just be with you and to watch over you. But if you've been listening to this podcast and you want to reach out to, to just share your heart, get some support, you can contact us at uh, support at christianpedophile.com. That's support at christianpedophile.com. Also, if you head over to our website, there's a whole bunch of other resources there for you. And all the best. We're praying for you. We're right behind you. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye, Pedro. Bye. <laughs>